Welcome to the False Neutral Podcast. This is episode number 125 for July of 2022. And this is episode 125 because we didn't have episode 125 in June. Uh, Some of that was scheduling. Some of that was just all of us individually being busy. And some of it was just not having enough to talk about because we were all busy with other things. But uh, we've got a lot to talk about this month. Uh, how are you guys doing? Not too bad. Uh, a little crazy, but normal. How's your new uh, employment situation going? Um, six months in, all good. Good. Going well. Going really well. Glad it's, it's worked out for you. I know that was a bit of a, bit of a leap into the unknown with a startup, but uh, good. Should we jump into our workshop update? Yeah, sure. Let me go first because mine will be the shortest. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. While nothing has changed, actually, given my current attitude towards that bike, I've begun to look for a shop that I can just take it to and say, here, fix it. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got a couple announcing gigs coming in, which will generate enough money, I think, or or a chunk of a good enough chunk of it that I think it's just like, it's never going to get finished at this point. So I might as well have someone else do it. Um, not that I'm really proud or happy about that, but it's the reality that's staring me in the face. Mm-hmm. I don't think you need to not be proud about that. It's a luxury. You don't owe anybody any particular way of handling it. So I, I think that's uh, that's perfectly legitimate to say, you know what? I just want to hit the easy button. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a pretty simple bike. It's not that complicated. Um, but I don't have, I don't have enough emotional attachment to it to care enough. So I think it's just, yeah, like you say, hit an easy button. I'll have something to ride and that's close enough for right now. So, yeah, that sounds like a perfectly reasonable idea. And I think there's a certain maturity in saying, you know what, I, I want to call an audible and do this differently. And I'm recognizing what my schedule and my lifestyle and the demands of my life will let me do. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, so I, I've just got to find the shop to do it or find a shop that can do it or what has the time to take it on. So I've begun and begun that investigation. So hopefully um, I've got a little interesting thing you can talk about later uh, coming up where I'm not going to be in the country for a week. So that's going to put a little swing into things. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I haven't done a whole lot workshop wise because on motorcycle related, I'm building this 32 Ford Roadster right now. And oh, you are doing you're already involved in that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have had the parts to build the frame for a while. And um, I hang out with this car club. It's actually an interesting car club. They've been meeting pretty like virtually every Friday since 1952. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, barring, you know, holidays and things like that. Um, But it is actually the longest continuously running car club in the country. It's got a lot of history. At any rate, lots of old hot rodders in this car club. And one of them had a frame table and it sort of circulates around the club because at any given time, someone's building a frame for a car. That's cool. Yeah. So um, it finally came around to my turn to use it. And so I sort of cleared out my whole shop. So I could put this frame table in my shop and put together my whole 32 frame. So I've, that's sort of been my focus because I had that table 
you know, with other people waiting for it. So I just basically have taken as all of my free time to finish my uh, 32 frames. So that that's done. Um, now the frame tables moved out and I have a little bit more room in my shop. Um, I'll still be working on that car, but now I now have. Do you, are you, do you have a vintage starting point for this or is this just all new components? I mostly new components. Um, so it's, it's a fiberglass body because I can't afford a steel one. Okay. I was going to say, you're not starting, starting with an old frame or an old tub. Oh no. Okay. Nope. Nope. That's out of my price range. So it's a fiberglass body. It's, um, they're re-stamped 32 frame rails. There's like, you know, some old components on it. Like it's got, uh, I've got brakes from like a 40, 1940 Ford. It's just all drum brakes. So it's sort of a hodgepodge, like a lot of 32, right? you know, roadsters are. There's just sort of a hodgepodge of, of components. It's sort of going to be built like a 50s style. Back when these were just cheap cars yes. that young people could yeah. afford to mess with. Are you, are you styling it as a high boy or a low boy? A low boy. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be channeled about five inches. On 30, 1932 frames, the side of the frame rail, the very bottom of it has this little bump in it. And I'm going to leave that. It's like the bottom inch of the frame rail. I'm going to leave that exposed. So the body will set down over the frame. The frame rails are six inches high. So it'll be channeled five inches to leave that exposed. But it'll be, you know, low. It'll be rowdy. It'll be a fun car. Um, I've been working on that. I did submit to bring a trailer today, my Vespa. So, um, you know, I'd gotten my Vespa all detailed up, um, fixed all the little issues. Like the fuel tank had rust in it. And at some point someone had tried to epoxy repair it, but the epoxy was like falling out. And um, so I ended up just taking the fuel tank to a chemical dipper. I think you had told us that. Yeah. So the fuel tank um, came back perfectly clean, bare metal. So it was originally red. I powder coated it red, Um, rebuilt the carburetor, changed the oil. I think we've talked about it. The thing runs and rides like brand new. It's uh, in remarkable condition. So it's going to be on bring a trailer. I submitted it. I don't know when it'll get listed on the site. So yeah, maybe we'll have to take some guesses on how much it'll sell for once it's uh, posted. Are you are you putting a reserve on it or no reserve? I'll put a reserve on it, but it'll be a pretty conservative reserve. I, I mean, I'm certain it's going to sell for more than the reserve price. But yeah, otherwise, I haven't really done much uh, in the way of motorcycles. Uh, but... The Vespa, once that's sold, then that's kind of my top priority is getting that down the road, kind of fund some more projects with that money. I haven't done a whole lot in my workshop. Part of the reason why we didn't have an episode last month is that I spent two weeks in May uh, in Northern California with my wife on vacation. It's very difficult for her to get time off. So we were really excited to have two full weeks away from work. Mm -hmm. We flew into California, did all the touristy stuff, went to, you know, rode on the cable cars, went to Alcatraz, all that kind of good stuff, and then drove up Highway 1 and then drove down Highway 101 down through Sonoma and all that kind of stuff. Uh, 
uh, it was really interesting. There was one morning on Highway 1 that I don't know if they had an event up there or multiple events, or this was just how it is up there. But we saw at least a dozen vintage 911s and like real 911s, like pre 930 Porsches Hmm. that were all over the place up there on the northern part of Highway 1. And I bet we saw four or five 60s, maybe early 70s Alfa Romeos. Hmm. I'm thinking they had to have an Alfa Romeo owner's club run or something up there. One of them, we were on a really twisty little road. This actually wasn't on Highway 1. This was on uh, what they call the Tillett Fort Bragg Road, Mm -hmm. which is one of the twistiest little roads I've ever been on and massive elevation changes. So this was like driving a roller coaster and giant redwoods right off the pavement. A gray-haired gentleman in a 1960s Julietta with 1960s era skinny tires came around a corner in a pretty good four-wheel drift and just past us, obviously had modified exhaust because it was loud and he just flew past us. I was like, wow, I really wish I would have been like filming video of that. Hmm. Had a wonderful, wonderful time, but it was half the month I was not home. And uh, of course, with that, when you get back to work, then you have two weeks worth of work to catch up on. Uh, When I got back, I started working on mounting the plastic Can-Am fuel tank on the Bride, which is the Predator-powered mongrel. Early in June, I shipped the engine for Bultakenstein off to Ralph Weedling at Bultaco Parts US. And he called me and we talked about it and talked about what it would need and everything. Because what I had was originally going to be a mishmash of parts, but it was going to have an Alpina cylinder, a 350 Alpina trials motor, basically. It was going to have a little less flywheel with it. Um, some other changes, but really it was going to be a trials engine, which is really low RPM torque, but really doesn't rev out, really doesn't have porting that would respond to a, a, an expansion chamber. And he was like, what are you putting this in? And I kind of sent him some pictures and told him what it, and he's like, mm, you know, what you need is an Astro flat track motor. I can for about the same money, rebuild this really nice older 350 Astro flat track motor and get a whole lot more power. Like instead of, you know, 24 horsepower, you're going to have about 45 or 50. Don't you think you want that for the same money? And I kind of went, I like the way you're talking. And plus I can very easily get it a nice expansion chamber for it, which is going to make fabricating an exhaust a whole lot easier if I can just, you know, make a bracket to bolt it on. So I'm like, yes, let's do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did tell him there was no hurry. I'd been at this for 10 years. And he said, well, I do have some full restoration and a couple of engines ahead of you. I can't tell you when I'm going to get to it. You know what? That's cool. That is in work, but it's not anything I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, it's kind of like with your XS 400. 
I just recognized the idea of me building a motor was just outside my comfort zone and really outside what I wanted to do. Just hit the easy button and have somebody send me back something I can bolt in and have ready to go, at least inside the cases. So is that going to use your bottom end? And is that just a different cylinder? No, or no, is no. it a whole different engine? Whole different engine. I see. Uh, the problem is I had a really nice bottom end and a really nice top end, but when you put them together, the transfer ports aren't the same size so that the bottom of the cylinder and the openings in the case right below it don't match up at all. And he's like, this really isn't going to work. Could you make it run? Sure. Do you want to? No. When they came out with the really big bore bikes, they moved the uh, bolt pattern for the, the studs for the cylinder. They made them wider. So you have to match late to late or early to early. So I couldn't, I, trying to find late stuff, it's really expensive because they only made it for a couple of years. So he was like, you know what? I can get you an earlier 350 motor that'll bolt in. I mean, it's, it's exactly the same mounting points, same size, shifter will hook up the same way and everything. And he's like, let me just do this for you. And I'm like, great. And it'll look pretty much the same. I may use the later side cover on it because I kind of like the look. So that's uh, going to happen whenever it happens. Uh, what are you doing for a carburetor on that? Do you have something or is he supplying a carburetor? Well, I bought one thinking I was going to have the trial cylinder, yeah. the Alpina cylinder, and uh, it's going to be way too small for this. So he's just going to simply sell me the engine with a carb. Okay. And it's going to be like a 30, 32, something like that. And what I have is like a 24, 26. And he's like, yeah, that's way too small. Yeah. So. I think the Astro Motors came with a 36, mm-hmm. 36 millimeter Amel Mark II. Mm-hmm. For the street, when you're not going flat out, you probably want something that's going to give you a little more velocity at part throttle. You probably want to step it down to maybe a 34, 32. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just take his recommendation. It's going to be a, a, a round slide, either Makuni or Kian. Mm-hmm. Um, um. And is this going to be points ignition? No, or is it? It's going to have no. uh, a vape, high output alternator, electronic ignition on it, brand new. Okay, it's it's about five hundred bucks for the flywheel, the stator, the lighting coil, everything. Yeah, but it's plug and play. It includes yeah. the coil and everything. I don't want to mess with fifty year old spanish electrics yeah it's yeah. life easier yeah yeah it, it's going to be more expensive than i ever intended this bike to be but welcome to every project ever exactly <laughs> uh i did that on boltockenstein and i have a friend of mine bill wilson from wilson performance uh he's a big two-stroke tuner in fact we need to have him on the show sometime because he's a uh, very well known for for tuning rz500s hmm. And one of his tuned Banshee motors, I think, still holds the record on uh, Pike's Peak for ATVs. It was a lowered Banshee on street tires, you know, like flat track tires. Uh, Anyways, he's got an all two-stroke show coming up in about a month and a couple days, I think. The ATC 250R Benelli, I want to get, I want to make that a rolling chassis. Mm-hmm. went ahead and bought a 
blank stock that I'm going to machine a steering stem for to put the front end on. Need to make some wheel spacers. And I only had one brake disc, but I'm actually going to have three identical brake discs. So I just ordered two more today. So I'm doing a little something on each one of them. Uh, right now, I'm knee deep in sending out patches for Smack Dab. Smack Dab was since our last talk, it was the 20, 18th of June. Sarah and I didn't ride it, but we did go out to Smith Center and the local people in Smith Center are awesome. And they put on a big barbecue the night before for all the riders that want to be there. And 112 people, I think, participated this year. And about a third of them showed up at the at the barbecue the night before. And it's really cool because some of the some of the guys I see, I mean, both the local Smith Center people and riders that have done this four or five, six times that show up every year that we get to connect with. Uh, that was a really good time. And then the next morning was there at dawn. We, we had to get a, a hotel probably 45 minutes away from the start because the one of the hotels close by was booked up for this a year ago and closed permanently, like went out of business, went bankrupt, got repossessed. Wow. In about March. So a whole bunch of people suddenly didn't have a place to stay and uh, had to scramble for other rooms. And there's not a lot of extra lodging capacity about the the nearest chain that isn't like an old mid-century motor hotel is about 45 minutes away. And that's where we were. So yeah, so we got out there at dawn and they had breakfast for everybody. The you know, the local folks have breakfast burritos and trail mix and coffee and juice for everybody. And we take a group picture and send everybody off. And then we kind of visited with everybody for a while and came home. But anyways, I have like somewhere around 60 envelopes in front of me that I'm going through as people buy their patches for this year. So uh, that's keeping me busy. Oh, I have a new project. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's an old small engine repair shop that's going out of business, that they're retiring and they're liquidating their assets. And they've got a bunch of these little two horsepower, 50 cc Tecumseh two-stroke motors like you'd have in an edger or something like that. It's, it's a horizontal shaft, two-stroke. Mm-hmm. And they're brand new. They're, they're new old stock. And I've been watching the price come down on these. You know, every time the auction expires and nothing sells, right? I got one for 80 bucks, which is about what you're going to pay for one of the really cheap Chinese motors that they use for motorizing bikes. So I've got an old Schwinn 10 speed city bike in the garage that's been hanging there for 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, hmm, for 80 bucks, I can motorize that and see if I can come up with something to cruise around the neighborhood. So anyways, that's, that's going to arrive tomorrow. I'm going to see what kind of condition that's in. Uh, that's not anything I'm going to do anything with anytime soon, but I thought the price had come down to the point where I'm like, yeah, I can't not get one at that price. So um, I am also car shopping. Uh, I don't know if I told you guys, but uh, back in April, I think early April, one of my wheel speed sensors for the ABS and traction control, stability control went out in my Kazashi. Don't tell me you're replacing the Kazashi. I'm thinking about it. 
because I still don't have one. It's been on back order indefinitely. You know, I even contacted American Suzuki and they're like, yeah, we cannot tell you when we will get any from Japan. And the problem is the rear wheel speed sensor is different on the all wheel drive and front wheel drive ones. And for the front wheel drive is not used on anything else. I'm like, really? None of your, you couldn't use something that was on the, the Swift or any of the other Suzuki's that are out there. I was like, okay, whatever. Uh, I even contacted like a bunch of salvage yards, places that on their website or on eBay have a picture of a Kazashi. And I found a salvage yard that had the sensor for sale in Sweden, but they didn't ship to the United States. I happened to post on the cammed and tubbed Slack chat. Our, our former partner in the Hooniverse podcast and network, Camden and Tubbed podcast, had Patreon support for a while. And one of the perks was if you were a Patreon supporter, you could be in the Slack chat. Well, Camden and Tubbed obviously went away. This Slack chat still exists and is actually very active with all of us, even though Cam and Brad haven't been a part of it in forever. And I haven't talked to either one of them and I don't remember how long. But anyways, one of the guys, Hans, is in, he's either Norway or Finland, but he has a cabin in Sweden. So Hans very graciously bought it for me, had it shipped to his in-laws cabin in Sweden. And then when he was there, picked it up and has actually just shipped it to me. So I should be getting it here, however long it takes for something to come airmail post in a padded envelope. So random. <laughs> yes. So anyways, I was able to find that through the very gracious help of the former Camden tubbed Patreon team. Mm-hmm. And, but anyways, in, in going through this, I was out on the Kazashi website and people are like, I can't find rear springs. I can't find springs that are the right diameter and the right spring rate for this car. Um, any kind of painted body part. You can't find fenders. You can't find uh, new bumper fascias are gone and like not even just like back ordered, but like discontinued. Mm-hmm. So it's a great car, but I use it as a commuter. I don't need a car that I could possibly have laid up for months so, on end. So, and, so what you're saying is you're, shot, you're in the market for a brand new Honda Civic Si. Well, um, yeah, I, I'm probably going to be working about three more years, and I'd really like to have something I could get at least mostly paid off by the time I retire. So uh, I was looking originally at used cars, and I was looking at like, you know, uh, oh, like Fiestas and Focuses and something that I know I can get parts for. I've had this Kazashi for seven years. It's been a great car. It is, I have loved it more to drive and own than any other vehicle I've ever had. It is an awesome car, but it now needs to go to somebody who wants it because it's only got 70,000, like 72,000 miles on it. You know, the touch points inside are showing a little bit of wear on the, on the knobs and the steering wheel. Other than that, it's pretty much still looks new. I'm thinking somebody would really love to have a really nice preserved Kazashi that they're going to use as a third vehicle. If it sits for six months, uh, they don't care. That would be ideal for me to find somebody. And I'm thinking I may 
actually put it on cars and bids and just, you know, put the minimum at the trade in price and see what I can get for it. Doesn't end up on a buy here, pay here lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm probably, I, I was looking at used cars and they're so ridiculous that I was actually thinking about a, a new CX 30 just because they're like $24,000. If I'm willing to wait for my dealer to get one, I can get one for about what CarMax is charging for a small SUV that has 40,000 miles on it. Mm-hmm. You know what? I don't need a car right now. So I, I, I may do that. I've been blabbing on forever, but anyways, that's all the stuff that's going on with me. So I want to circle back to a trip you made in the last couple of weeks, Pete, but first Garrett mm-hmm. from our last episode, did there was a, KTM demo thing going on up in your neck of the woods. Did you get a chance to go to that? No, I didn't go to that. And I did something else that weekend, but now I don't remember what exactly it was. I did something else interesting and I was going to talk about it, but now I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I was just curious. Yeah. It it rained that it was raining that weekend too. In fact, um several of the past few months we have set all-time rain records here um i guess that's good considering in the last three years you've been in a drought there well yes um in fact i think this is like one of the first times in like 40 years our reservoirs have been at capacity going into summer so we've had i mean it's been great we've had a lot of rain that we need but it has just been profoundly wet um up until like two weeks ago when it went from basically cloudy rainy highs in the low 60s to 100 degrees all 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 in like two days i did happen to i did happen to see something the other day where it was like 100 up by you and i'm just like okay well yeah we um Actually, just coincidentally, so my birthday was uh, back on the 25th of June, and we had planned a river rafting trip for that weekend, but we had planned it like quite some time ago, and it was just raining, 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 and then that weekend was the first weekend where we got good weather, and it was 100 degrees, and it was the perfect weekend to have planned a river rafting trip, little did we know, so yeah, we got lucky. Yeah, so no, I didn't go to the KTM demo. Um, so bummer on that. Uh, although I think there's going to be quite a few demos coming up here around this area that I'd really like to attend. Um, I haven't really been following new motorcycle models lately, but there's a few that look um, a little bit interesting. Have you seen Honda's Hornet? The, the 2023 Hornet. Con- but I don't. It's not a concept. I think they're going to produce it, but all they have right now are like illustration photos it seems like but it looks a lot like a ktm duke something or other if you haven't seen that i i heard about it but i don't think i saw that one yeah so some of the pictures that i've seen i mean it looks strikingly at least from the uh, images that they've showed it looks strikingly like a duke um ktm duke something or other and they even have some pictures with a trellis frame design as well yeah, people aren't sure exactly what it's going to look like. Right, but right. It, it looks an awful lot like a MT-10 and a Duke had a baby. Yeah. Mm. And then there's also some um, Honda Hawk that's uh, allegedly using the Africa Twin 
frame, but it's a sport bike configuration. It's um, something that is being produced as well that looked marginally interesting. Um, it appears Ducati has come up with an electric race bike for the Moto E series. Yep, that was announced last year, I think. Yeah. So yeah, I saw I saw that starting to roll out a little bit with some coverage. Yeah. But yeah, there will be there will eventually be a street version of that. Mm-hmm. Oh. I have been flooded with Buell. I think just because I probably like engage with Buell content on social media. So it's just like <laughs> thrusted into my face, but um lots of Buell stuff. They're you know, it looks like the same exact product they weren't able to sell before that they're trying to sell now <laughs> for mm-hmm. a crazy price. Um, so good luck to them. Uh, maybe in a few years, I'll be able to buy a new old stock, something or other for 7,500 bucks. I went by my local dealer. That's where I was going to get to. And, uh, they had some of the new CF motos. Mm -hmm. That's what I wanted to ask you about. They didn't have the CLX 700 standard non-sport model which really kind of ticked me off because I, the salesman that my wife had bought her Can-Am Spider from uh, last year, when we were in there, I asked about it. He said, yeah, you want me to give you a call when we get it? I was like, sure, yeah. And didn't hear anything. I went in and they had the Sport, the CLX 700 Sport and like the 300s and Adventura. And I was like, wow, I was really hoping that you would have gotten the, the standard CLX 700. And he was like, oh yeah, we got two of them. They're gone already. I'm like, thanks for calling me. Yeah. The fit and finish on them look great. They look like a Japanese bike. A couple of things about the sport I really wasn't so keen on. Uh, and, and truthfully, the bars are just too low for me. I'm old enough that the idea of riding around with my weight on my wrists. I know other people are saying, well, it's not too extreme, not too extreme and comfortable are, are not synonymous. And uh, I would, I think I'd be really interested in the, what what's called the heritage in the rest of the world, what's called just the CLX 700 without the sport suffix on it in the United States is something I would be more interested in, but all of them, even the 300 stuff, they, they look really nice. And the other thing they had was the Touareg, 660, which looks so much better in person than it does in pictures. I was not necessarily a big fan. I wasn't, I didn't think I was terribly interested in it until I saw it up close. I could see getting that over like uh, an Africa twin. It's, it's a nice, nice bike. They're what? 12, 13. Um, aren't they about the same as an Africa twin? 10. I mean, they're a smaller motor. But, or, yeah, they're about 10. Yeah, 10, yeah. 11. Yeah, somewhere in there. What, so, were the, what was the CF price at? I'm just curious. Do you remember? What's interesting is that my local dealer was padding the price some. Ah. I think they're supposed to be, the Sport was 79, and I think they had it at 84. So they were padding it about 500 bucks. But you know what? Everybody's doing dealer markup mm. on pretty much everything right now. I'd say I, I went into a, another dealer just down the road that handles ATM, Suzuki, Kawasaki, and Polaris. 
And quite honestly, they didn't have much. I mean, they had like the 400 dual sport from Suzuki, the, the, D- the DRZ. Uh, yeah. The DRZ 400 and the DRZ 400 Supermoto. They had like a lot of those because I think those just got released as 2023s. Mm-hmm. So um, they had those. They had like, you know, CRF 150s and stuff like that. But they didn't have a lot of stuff. And you could tell they had kind of strategically placed stuff around the space in the showroom. I also went by my local Triumph dealer and thank goodness they sold the Bobber Gold Line. <laughs> I'm off the hook. Somebody will really enjoy that. And I don't have to lust after that anymore. I'm like, okay, good. Yeah. So I guess it was a week or two ago because I shared some stuff in their Slack chat. Um, for whatever reason, all of a sudden I start seeing these things about the Predator Ghost 212 engine. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, oh my God, this is great. Watched a couple. I'm like, okay, yeah, I see what people are doing here. That put me down a whole rabbit hole for about a week <laughs> of seeing just how crazy people are going with some of these things to the point of like, not just the 212 and the 224, but apparently there's a 400 and some odd CC version that people are putting superchargers on and running yeah. them on methanol. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, okay. That, that happened to me not that long ago when I went down this huge rabbit hole of mini bike drag racing, mm-hmm. where, you know, people have the methanol powered with the drag slick on the back. And I mean, like crazy power. These things are making just ridiculous power and they're drag racing these mini bikes. And uh, yeah, it's pretty entertaining. I did. I, I built a Predator motor. It's probably two years ago or so now. Um, someone wanted a, a Predator motor done. So I built one with high compression piston, ported the head, big valves and billet flywheel and carburetor and valve springs. And um, it ran pretty good. Uh, they're fun to work on and cheap too. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. everything's just like a Chinese part. You know, you just, just cheap. There was there was a little bit there where in some of them where they're putting the uh, a better connecting rod in it and yet mm-hmm. after you test fit it you end up having to grind on the case a little bit so it clears yeah. the uh, the scoop for the for when it's thrown mm-hmm. the, so it can throw the oil around and I'm just like yeah. okay well I mean that's not not uh, that bad but yeah I look I looked at all these parts and I'm like okay you buy a two hundred dollar engine you buy about twelve hundred dollars worth of parts for it after that <laughs> and I'm like this I'm like well then there's people who make you know ready to go heads that are ported with bigger valves and better valve springs I mean just like it it, it literally is like old school small block Chevy or LS yeah. Chevy I'll tell you one of the best build videos is Mike Festiva's yeah when he did the stage two for his what was an XR 100 that he put the predator motor in Uh, he really did a good job of explaining what you need to do to keep it reliable. So you can rev it out. Yeah. I think after I get the bride up and running, I may want to build a high performance motor. I go back and forth. The bad part about it is my lighting and starter will have to be total loss. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing I have seen is they do this on the, whatever it is, the 420 or 460 motor. Uh, They take a little tiny like Mitsubishi car alternator Mm -hmm. and they belt drive it off of 
where you would normally have the recoil starter on the right side of the engine, they'll put a pulley on there and belt drive an alternator and not even mess with the ignition, right. but have an alternator that'll charge a battery for your lights and all whatever accessories you want. So I could do that, or I could just get a couple of uh, 18 volt Milwaukee tool batteries yeah. and wire those up for lights and a starter. Cause I'm not going to be taking this thing out on 200 mile rides and worried about my, you know, after dark, worried about my LED lights going dim on me. I need to get it running. I need to get it on the street. And then I will think about maybe hot rod well, in the that's, engine. That's where you find one and then just a second one and then just do it on the side. That way you don't have to Right. Put, and, put, and, and I would probably go with a real predator because the one I have is an LCT, mm-hmm. which is a Honda clone, but it's a lot of the stuff is predator specific and you're not sure whether it's all going to, you know, be interchangeable. So, although again, this is one of those ones where by the time you buy the parts and take the time and stuff, it's some guys have got them ready to sell at a price. It's just like, all right, that's just, you know, and the other part of it is do the 420 or whatever it is, you know, go with the bigger motor. Yeah. Although this thing is so eyeball engineered, I would be crazy to want to go faster than you could go with a 212. So, um, I was just typing in miniature alternator into a Google search, and there's these little alternators that are on like eBay and Amazon, but they're extremely compact. They don't look like an automotive alternator. They're very thin, which looks kind of neat. looks like it could be adapted pretty easily to something. Are you talking about like the ones that they put on lawn tractors that they they don't have any fins on them? They don't have. Yeah. I don't know if that would do what I want or not, but they're really cheap. They are. And I also don't know what kind of RPM you can turn those. So I, I might spring for a little, you know, mini Denso style. Yeah. So I don't know. Cause I actually have a nice big hole under my engine because of how I needed to, to mount it in order to fit it in the frame on that side below and to the rear of the engine, I could easily fit an alternate, even like a big GM alternator in there. No problem. So, mm-hmm. but that's down the line. I've, I, I'm like, okay, I need to concentrate on the bride, get that up and running. And then I'm like, oh, wait, I want to ship the engine off, at least have that being worked on. And then I found out about Bill's two-stroke show. And I'm like, oh, I'd really like to get my other bike, get the engine mounts done and get the wheels and swing arm all in there so that I can have a rolling chassis to exhibit for his show, you know, in progress kind of thing. Uh, and then I'm like, oh, I can get this little... uh 50 cc two stroke for a, a motorized bike. Yeah, I'll do that. I need to tell myself the whole point of this is that I have something fun to go tinker with when I go down in my workshop. And if whatever it gets done, whenever it gets done, don't sweat it. Mm-hmm. Well, anything else we need to cover? Um, yeah, I, I was going to say, other than that, I, uh, I went up that it's nice that the borders are open and it's easy to get across. Went up to watch some. See some friends I hadn't seen in three years in Canada. So I got to go to a race, uh, the, the first round of the Canadian Superbike race up there. I wasn't announcing, although I ended up doing some announcing just because. <laughs> um, but then, I, yeah, in August, I'll be back up there to, to announce it uh, 
Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. So that's going to be fun. What what is what is your you were saying you're going to be out of the country for a week? Yep. So as we record this, about ten days from now, theoretically, I'm supposed to fly to Hanoi. Really? Yes. To where? Hanoi. Oh, really? Yeah. Is this work related or just kind of? Um, I got invited on a press junket to go visit VinFast, which is an electric EV company. Oh, okay. They're Vietnamese. They make four, three models, four models right now. Uh, they're in the process of building and opening a plant in North Carolina and the research triangle they are supposed to have. So they say, uh, vehicles on sale in the U S by mid to late 2024. So, and and these are like full size. Yeah. Yep. You know, crossover basically, I think they have one car and a couple crossovers and stuff like that. So, um, their novelty is that you buy the car and lease the battery. Mm. The idea being that as battery technology evolves, you're not stuck with old batteries. Hmm. Or, you know, they cycle so many times and you start losing capacity, which, right. you know, after like a, anywhere between 800 to 1,000 cycles, you start losing, uh, you know, anywhere between 12 to 15%. And then by 2,000 cycles, you usually lost like 20 to 25%. But then it kind of stabilizes at that point. But the idea being is you don't have to, to worry about it. So, um, you know, they'll do the full briefing and everything there. Yeah, I'm, I'm still waiting I've been invited. They've asked me a bunch of information for travel. So, but I don't have the official, official travel documents yet. So, hmm. well, well, that could be, be pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, good luck so, with that. Yeah. yeah. Four, 14 hours in a tube between San Francisco and Hanoi, but hey, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's sort of a never thought I'd go to Vietnam and yeah. now I might. Looks like mm-hmm. I am. So, kind of excited about that. Very cool. I'll have something to talk about next month. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm guessing like, you know, we can talk about all the scooters. Yeah. I was going to say rent, rent a scooter. And or what is the, what is the, uh, what that's like, there's, there's a 110 Honda that was sold forever over there. It was like not much evolved from a 90 CC Honda Cub step through, mm-hmm. but it was more like a mm-hmm. motorcycle. It was like a hundred or 110 CC. Uh, yeah. The Honda Win 100. Okay. It was manufactured specifically for Vietnam and everybody had them for years. They don't sell it anymore simply because Honda and everybody else came out with better performing bikes that had a little bit more poop to them. But uh, yeah, they, you can still buy Chinese copies of them, but they're not as good as the authentic Honda ones. Mm-hmm. I, I think the front hub is actually exactly the same as what was on my 73 Honda CL125S. I think they're literally interchangeable and they made this until 2005. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see what it's like, how much old stuff's there and how much new stuff's there. So, um, well, report back to us. Yep, for sure. And uh, we'll see everybody next month. Yeah, don't forget to go over to the Facebook page and check out some stuff there. Occasionally we yep. post stuff there. Like, share, like, share, and subscribe and rate us on the various podcast platforms, whether it's Spotify or Apple or wherever you get it. It's interesting. I have gotten so many emails from Apple and Spotify and Anchor, who was our host, saying, hey, 
are you going video? Are you doing video podcasts? Evidently, we are now old hat for just having audio. <laughs> uh, Jeff Glucker with his new reconstituted uh, Universe podcast he does on YouTube. And, and I'm like, no, because I need to do extensive editing on how badly <laughs> I talk when I'm extemporaneously speaking. So that would make a really jumpy video. Uh, but that is the freedom that we have when we don't have Patreons, we don't have any sponsors, and we are 0% monetized. So we can do things like say, no, we're not going to do video, and oh, we're going to take a month off. But uh, we should be back next month, and we will talk to all of you then. So long. 